Hello, welcome to the Brazilian Health Nut Show. Here you will find cutting-edge information provided by the best experts in the world so you can learn how to burn fat for the rest of your life. Bruno da Gama is the Brazilian Health Nut in a mission to solve the problems you have when trying to lose weight forever. He is a nutritional therapy practitioner, a certified personal trainer, and a holistic lifestyle coach by the Czech Institute. Don't forget to say hello and sign up to our free newsletter at www.brazilianhealthnet.com. Let's go. All right. Thank you so much for being here with me today, Daryl. I super appreciate your time. Can you tell a little bit about your story, man, and how did you become the fitness explorer? Yeah, so my background was actually in technology. Um, I was a programmer working in investment banking. And um, I kind of became interested in my health when, after having a series of tests, was informed that I wasn't actually healthy. Um, even though I looked kind of okay on the outside, on the inside, things weren't going well at all. So I was pre-diabetic, had ele elevated risk of cardiovascular disease. Um, I was anemic. I had all sorts of chronic musculoskeletal problems, so suffering from low back pain, ankle, knee problems. And, uh, and there were a whole host of other issues as well. And so it's quite, quite alarming to, to feel relatively young and in my prime, but to be suffering from all of these issues. Uh, and the only remedy by the doctor seemed to be to give me lots of different painkiller, you know, pain medications yeah. for my back or my knees and so on, or, you know, to give me medication to lower my blood pressure or to lower my blood glucose. And of course, a lot of those medications you have to take for the rest of your life. So mm -hmm. that concerned me and I was concerned about the side effects. I came across the paleo diet, um, and that kind of intrigued me as a way of improving my nutrition, and it seemed to kind of make sense to me, um, and also I realized I had to improve my, my fitness levels and my, my physical activity levels in order to fulfill my, my health potential. So that, that mm -hmm. was really the, the, the gateway into following the lifestyle that I do now. And my How own. long ago was that? So that was over 10 years ago was the start of that journey. Uh, yeah. And, um, yeah. And I became the fitness explorer because I was, I was exploring lots of different fitness paradigms and programs. And, um, and I was always interested in finding out as much as I could, uh, about different, di different fitness, uh, methods and, and so on. Yeah. So that's how I became the fitness explorer and do what I do now. Cool. That's awesome. And you developed something called Primal Play that you kind of like you're doing everywhere, all over the world. I see you every time you're traveling somewhere to do this. Can you tell our audience to talk about this Primal Play that you developed? Yeah, so Primal Play was really, um, I've always been fascinated with trying to encourage people to become more physically active. And for a lot of people, you know, they can find it very difficult to motivate themselves, you know, or exercise can be be seen as quite boring for those individuals and for some time it, it, I was in the, under the same within the same category I found it really difficult 
to to make lifestyle uh, you know and make exercise more importantly a real lifestyle choice so adding some play to really good solid foundation of, of natural movement was really what i was trying to achieve and and primal primal play was really that combination of movements that we were designed to do based on our ancestral heritage but adding some a playful interactive element to ensure that it was something that we were likely to want to do for a very long time. So, mm. uh, yeah, so, so the kind of the end of my journey, so to speak, in terms of my fitness exploration became me developing my own methodology called Primal Play. Yeah, uh, we did together in New York City in, in Central Park. It was really cool. I love it. It was awesome. Oh, and you. man, you, yeah, you travel a lot, like I just told you before, and you know... No other person better than you to answer this. Why do you think there is so much obesity nowadays everywhere that you go? I, I live in the U.S. Now, nowadays, but I come to Brazil very often and I see the development of these problems related to weight, right? So what's your take on that? Yeah, so, I mean, um, I, I, I do believe the problem is multifactorial. So I, I think there is a danger of you know, science looking for one root cause or for even as human beings, you know, we like to make things really simple. So we say, you know, it's, it's, it has to be because of one aspect of our modern lifestyle that's causing obesity. And I think it's a combination um, of most of the things that we do today. So we're, really, we're less active than we used to be in the past. Our diets, our diets have changed dramatically uh, since the past, we're eating far more processed foods, we're eating far more than ever before. You know, there's a greater access and availability of foods which are, you know, energy dense but nutrient poor. Um, we know we have more exposure to toxins that potentially could also be affecting our, our um, the body's ability to hold on to weight and gain weight, especially around the middle. We're far more stressed than ever before. Um, and also we're not getting enough quality sleep. So those, those are just a few of the factors that I believe contribute to the obesity Uh, epidemic and as you say it's affecting us not just in the west and in the develop, developed world but also in, in the developing world as well so there are far more obese individuals and overweight individuals than there are underweight um which is which is remark you know incredible and astounding to, to, mm -hmm. to be aware yeah, of it's that. everywhere mm. yeah Yeah, it's crazy. I, I, and I believe the same things. It's, uh, I think it's a multifactor uh, subject for sure. It's not just one thing. And I have a friend, I was talking to her, and she got married last year. And she was like, oh, Bruno, I got again some weight since I got married. So she was like, oh, I have to start to exercise. And so what's your opinion about this People who are trying to lose weight and they go to exercise as the number one thing to lose weight? Yeah, I mean, as I said, you know, if 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 the solution is multifactorial, uh, you know, if the problem is multifactorial, I should say, then the solution is likely to be multifactorial. So exercise alone may not be good enough for you to lose weight. I mean, there are lots of advantages with exercise, and especially if somebody has been very sedentary. If you haven't really done much exercise before, you haven't been very active as soon as you start moving again, you're definitely going to lose some weight. You know, you, you know it's going to shift the pounds. Um, you are going to increase your lean body mass. That's, that's going to happen. But 
also at the same time, you need to be mindful of your diet. If you're potentially still going to be overeating, if you're still going to be eating the foods that are unlikely to uh, work well with your metabolism, you're probably still you're going to probably find it a struggle to just to lose weight. Um, and I suppose something else we should bear in mind is that losing weight in in inverted you know kind of in quotes um, mm. may not be enough. You know, for example, you know I've gained weight, for example, um, but I've gained weight because I've actually put on muscle mass. I've put on lean muscle mass, but my body fat percentage is reduced. So just mm. looking at the total weight may not necessarily be a good idea. Looking at the BMI may not be, may be misleading. So I'd say for anyone, um, if you are going to weigh yourself, make sure it's in the context of the amount of fat mass that you have uh, as opposed to, and, as in comparison to your lean body mass and, and then make decisions on that, on that basis. Some people don't need to necessarily lose weight. They just need to lose fat. And yeah. Um, yeah, and I suppose, and if you if you approach it that way, then a combination of physical activity plus a change of your diet, and also looking at things like your sleep patterns and the amount of stress, you know, making sure you're having some downtime, all of that has to be taken into account. And I think if you approach it that way, you're more likely to have a longer term view rather than just like a crash diet or a huge exercise fix for one month and then you never seen, you know, you never go to the gym again. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so, so, yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Or you sign up for a, you know, a half marathon event in a few months time and you train for that. And then as soon as you, you know, you lose some weight and as soon as you achieve that, you then go back to your previous in life on the sofa. Yeah. So, that's so, not, I yeah. don't, <laughs> I don't even like to weight myself and I don't recommend people to do that. I just tell them to throw their scale away and start to focus on how you feel and on the actions that you're taking every day. I think it's much more important than the weight on the scale. And I was on a website um, before this interview doing some research and I came across uh, facts, some facts there. And there is one that really caught my attention that let me read for you here. It's more or less like this, that over 45 million children under the age of five are overweighted. So how can you start to change this, the, the problems especially for our kids that we have. And also you said that you work with children from four to 94. I thought that was cool too on your website. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's, 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 it's quite shocking to be aware of those stats around children being obese and overweight. And, um, you know, it is something that's a relatively modern phenomena. You know, we're, we're seeing this in the last few decades. Um, It's not just about people making the wrong decisions, do you know what I mean, throughout their life and they're just putting weight on. It's starting from a very, very young age. And again, I have to just stress the point, it is still multifactorial. You know, uh, kids, when I was young, we spent a lot of time being active, being outdoors. We would eat, you know, three times a day, very strictly. You know, snacks were usually forbidden in my household. And it was very difficult to get access to food outside of those set meal times. Now, foods are more widely available, especially of the, the energy dense variety. Um, you know, modern society tends to reward our children with by giving them stuff, including access to the foods that they want, which aren't necessarily the best for them. And all of this contributes. So, you know, we... I think we we appeal 
we celebrate, I should say, we celebrate the fact that we have more now than ever before. You know, I have more now than, than my parents did when I was growing up. Uh, but there are some downsides to that. And the downsides are the access to this food that is definitely uh, contributing to, to chronic disease and to obesity. Um, but also access to, to technology means that mm. we're less likely to be active. You know, yeah, your yeah. babysitter might actually be your tablet PC now. <laughs> you know, yeah. instead of going out to play, you will stay indoors and play. Uh, oh man, okay. this the technology subject is something that I want to have just one show to talk about it because I see it's crazy nowadays here. <laughs> it's I was uh, on a group with friends, uh, I think two days ago, and every single person was talking on their phone, like just typing something. I don't, it's crazy, like we lose our lives to the technology sometimes and we don't even realize it's 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 a yes. huge issue i think but, yes yeah we, we become slaves to technology and, and i mean of course there are lots of advantages i'm i'm happy to have my smartphone <laughs> i can do a lot yeah. of work i can communicate with a lot of individuals but at the same time you know we need to know when to disconnect from technology mm. when to actually interact with real people um and when to be mobile in the real sense not mobile is in having a mobile phone, but it's mm -hmm. mobile as in I actually should be able to move around and utilize myself for locomotion. And, yeah. you know, so I take advantage of using the stairs rather than the lift. I'll try and walk to anywhere that's nearby rather than take, you know, taking the car to get my groceries. It's like I can walk to my local shop. You know, I can do that. I can carry my groceries. I don't necessarily have to use technology um, at every single opportunity to make my life easier. And, yeah. and that's the issue. It's like when everything becomes easy, it, there's usually a side effect of it being detrimental to us in some way or shape or form. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to be kind of melodramatic, but it's a case of... Yeah, no, definitely. Decisions. I love technology. Don't get me wrong. Like we are just doing this right now because of technology. So it's amazing. We just have to be smarter about it. We have to be, to understand that there are situations where we should not be using technology. So that's my only caveat with technology. And going back to the children uh, issue, don't you also think there is some genetic from the parents um, related to the obesity because of the behaviors that they, they've done throughout their lives? It's also affecting the children because... I mean, there is there are a lot of children. They're not, you know, they're not overeating or they're not uh, eating the wrong foods, but they still have problems with weight. What's your take on the parenting behavior thing? Yeah, so um, science has an explanation for uh, using uh, a science called epigenetics, which is looking mm -hmm. at the behaviors and the lifestyle of your parents and grandparents that can actually influence their offspring and their grandchildren. And so if uh, an individual engages in practices that can, um, can affect the genes yeah. uh, for that individual, they can also pass that on to their children and their grandchildren. And sometimes that can even skip a generation. So I think, as I say, it's, it's multifactorial. And if you do have a child that's obese from the moment of, you know, or overweight at birth, mm -hmm. You know, who's to say exactly what that cause was? Was it because their mother was overeating? Was it because their mother had issue uh, with, you know, crash dieting in the past, you know, which caused, may have caused issues with kind of appetite regulation for that, for that child? 
Um, you know, was it the, the fact that they were exposed to lots of uh, endocrine disruptors and toxins that could affect the weight of the of, of the child? You know, who knows? Uh, you know, um, I think what's yeah. more important is that rather than just looking for a discrete um, root cause, you know, we should just look at the majority of ev- the body of evidence, which is that there is something about the present day which is not in sync with what happened with us as humans in the past. And I think that's what we should be relying on. Um, and that's what we should try to reduce the risk of. So rather than just saying, right, um, it has to be toxins in the environment, that's all it is. Better to say, look, if we just regulate our food, if we start being more active, if we start thinking about being mindful and reducing stress, if we you know, start taking care of the environment that we're in, if we you know, rely less on petrochemicals and you know we take care of our environment and treat our environment as as we as we would want to treat ourselves then i think things will be better for not just for us but also our children and our grandchildren and there will be, there will be benefits across the board so yeah yeah so I, yeah we have to do what we can do right so yes. i think that's the the most important thing i had great graham i don't know if you know him he's the founder of nutritional therapy association just to talk about the role of epigenetics in our lives. That was super cool interview I did with him. Hey guys, what's up? Bruno Gama here, Brazilian Health Nut. And let's take a little break from the show because I would like to offer you something. If you go to my website, www.brazilianhealthnut.com and click on the page, Burn Fat Forever, you can go ahead and claim your free consultation with me right now, okay? Or you can just send me an email at brazilianhealthnut at gmail.com so you can start to lose weight and feel healthier right now okay so go ahead and claim your free consultation with me and remember that spots are limited okay now let's get back to the show so i want to ask you about some strategies to start to implement some more movement in our lives what can we do um Yeah, I think one you've got to try and find something that you enjoy. Okay. So if you want if you want exercise or physical activity to become uh, you know like a hobby for you, then you've got to pick something that you enjoy, whether it's dancing, whether it's doing martial arts, whether it's taking up track and field, whether it's playing sport with your friends. Um it's really finding something that you can do and that you enjoy and that you'll want to continue to do. And also more importantly than just making it a hobby, I think it's good to integrate movement throughout your day. Yeah, so, like I told you before, right? Yeah. About the just, taking the staircase. I remember when we were doing the class in New York City, you're just like talking about this, that you always take the staircase. You never take the escalator, right? Yeah, never never take it. I mean, um, I'm, al- <laughs> I'm always disappointed, actually, if I can't find stairs, <laughs> if I can see a lift or an elevator and I can't find the stairs, I'm always disappointed. I'm like, I need to try and find where those stairs are. And usually it's a very lonely journey. You know, the majority of people take the lift <laughs> and the yeah. escalator, uh, and I'm probably the only person taking the stairs. And even if I've got really heavy bags, if I'm, you know, if I'm traveling to the airport, you know, I'm carrying, I'm carrying my bags and I'm like, I'm just going to take the most difficult way to get mm-hmm. to my destination. Um, yeah. And if, you know, those journeys may only be a few minutes at a time, You know, there may only be a few hundred meters at a time. But if you do a lot of those, there's a cumulative effect. 
those few hundred meters will become, you know, kilometers over, you know, within a month of carrying yeah, heavy stuff. Do you know what I mean? It makes a difference <laughs> it makes at a the difference. end of the day. Yeah, it makes yeah, a difference. That's yeah, that's what I also do here sometimes. You know, I'm working on my computer a lot. So what I do, I just set the alarm every 45 minutes and then I have to stand up from my desk and just do some kind of movement, whatever it is, right? So we can pick one, and but do it. So, and at the end of the day, it makes a, di a whole difference. Yes, it does, and, yeah. 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 It's, it's, I think it's really important to avoid uh, being sedentary, you know, mm -hmm. you know, stand rather than just sit all of the time, you know, take some movement breaks, some movement snacks, as I call them, to ensure that you're, you're adding a bit more movement into your day. And, it, and it, there is a cumulative effect. So better to do a little, a little often when it comes to movement rather than just thinking, you know, I'm going to be 10 hours sitting at a desk then mm -hmm. do 30 minutes of exercise. Yeah. That may not necessarily be good enough for us. You know, yeah, and there is a lot of research talking about this, actually, that even people who, let's say, work out for one hour, but they sit, they, don't, they just don't move throughout the rest of the day, they are still in danger for a lot of uh, diseases. So, yeah. Yes, that's, that's right. Yeah, the cumulative effect of being sedentary um, is just as important. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so if you're sitting for nine hours a day and then deciding to just do a one-off session of, of physical activity... Um, that isn't as good as somebody who's moving, you know, once or twice an hour. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and, yeah. And, and spreading that movement, uh, you know, activity throughout their day. So that's what I try and do myself. You know, it's, there's, the good thing is um, it is evidence-based. There is some very good science and research in this area. Um, but there's also common sense. You know, it's yeah. like we weren't <laughs> – our occupations now mean that we tend to have to sit more But this, this didn't used to be the case. You know, this is a relatively new phenomenon. And I think lots of us feel pay the price. Even if we don't see the research, we know what it's like to have backache from sitting down all day. We know what it's like to feel tired even when you've just been sitting all day. You know, it's like, how do, why do I feel so tired when I haven't actually done any physical work? <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. um, yeah, we, we, recognize, we recognize that there's an issue. But fortunately, the solutions are very straightforward. We just have to be dedicated to the to the um, to the pursuit of health. Yep. Seating is the new smoke. <laughs> that's what people are yes, saying. Yes, that's right. And it's yeah. so true. Uh, man, you have this book, Paleo Fitness, and can you share there is a lot of information there. However, I would just want to cover a few ones and can you share a little bit about the basic movements that in your opinion everyone should be doing? Oh, yeah, so the basic movements. I was actually asked this question the other day for like my top three movements that I, that I do personally and that I would recommend mm -hmm. that we should all, all should try. I would say, um, which is always difficult to, to, to narrow it down, but I think um, crawling would be one. So I would say walking is just an exception. We should all walk more. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's just put out there as a baseline. Okay. Um, second, a second movement to do would be to crawl more. You know, mm. work on your coordination, work on your ability to support your, your own body weight um, and engaging in full body exercise. So crawling of any description, I think, is also a good, is also a good idea. Um, I would say lifting and carrying is also fantastic. Yeah. So lift something heavy more than just your own body weight and carry it, um, you know, for a given distance. And finally, I would say sprinting. So... Mm -hmm. Sprinting because I think it's very important for us to work at very, very high intensities 
again, with the entire body uh, working for a very short duration of time. So I think if you cover all, all three of those, you're working quite a lot of energy systems, you're working all muscle groups, and you're working at all different types of intensities. And even something like that would make a significant difference to any individual who is embarking on a movement program just by taking mm -hmm. on board those, uh, a few of those movement patterns. Cool, cool, awesome. And your book is Paleo, so you are looking back at our ancestors. Can you share a little bit about how was the life of our ancestors in terms of fitness and movement? There was not, there was not such a thing as gym, or there was not even a word for exercise, right? But how were they doing? How was like their lifestyle throughout the day in, a, in summary? Yeah, so yeah, you, you, you're absolutely right. There was no exercise for our hunter-gatherer ancestors. You know, they didn't, uh, they didn't go to the gym. Um, but what they did every single day involved lots of different types of movement, um, whether that was tracking animals, whether that was building shelter, uh, whether that was, was going on a hunt or carrying food back to, to kind of to camp. It involved a wide array of, of movement disciplines, whether that was crawling, jumping, climbing, um, carrying, running, sprinting. They were all movements that we had to engage in because if we didn't, we wouldn't have survived. Yeah. So movement was essential for us to obtain food. Whether we were gathering food or hunting for food or even being scavengers for food, we had to move in order to, to, to obtain those foodstuffs. And so I think movement and motility is is uh, was extremely important nowadays we have to look at almost supplements for the activities we would have done in the past so i don't need to hunt or gather my food anymore uh living in the 21st century but i can still take on board some of the practices by mimicking some of those movements um and i believe as humans we were designed to be kind of a jack of all trades You know, we're, we don't really excel in any one particular form of movement, but we're pretty good at lots of different types of movement. And that's what I believe our programming or our training regimen should be about. You know, do a little bit of everything, be competent at most things, and that will give us the ability, one, only to improve our health and well-being, but secondly, to help us to perform physical, um, to be at our physical best when we really need to rely on this. So this is something else that I feel that we need from our fitness. It's like if I need to, if I need to get out of a burning building or if I need to pick up my friend who's injured, um, I, I don't want to rely on that um, not having ever done it before. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, can I, I know what you, exactly <laughs> what you mean because I know exactly what you mean because when we were in New York City doing the workshop, you actually pick it up pick me up. <laughs> so yeah, I know what you mean. And so yeah, When we are in Central Park, by the way, we are doing a lot of things into nature. So we are barefoot, very connected to the earth. What's the importance in your life and you think in terms of the nature, the role of nature in our lives? Yes. Yeah, so so um, we have, I mean, we come from nature, you know, no matter how we look at this, no matter what our beliefs are, you know, whether spirit, spiritually or not, you know, we do come from nature and we have a natural affinity with nature. And so... There are benefits in being outdoors, from whether it's sun exposure and getting vitamin D, uh, whether it's the boost to our immune system. So looking at the color green, for example, 
boosts yeah. the immune system. So it actually improves our def- defenses, um, you know, so against, you know, um, against infection, improves our ability to fight infection, for example. Um, so there are benefits in being outdoors, fresh air, uh, you know, as you say, being barefooted, being connected with the earth. There's, there's something that feels good about that connection with nature. Um, and it's something that is, can be quite alien to a lot of us. You know, we live inside four walls. We can go to the gym within box within four walls. We go to work with box within four walls. Uh, we don't tend to look at the horizon, you know, because we're boxed in, you know, within, the, within a big city, say. So having some way to go and to interact with nature. And for me, I, I tend to do my, my workouts or my playouts outdoors because even though I do live in a big city in London, I still can get an, an opportunity to have a bit of a break. And that break yes. includes, includes some physical movement as well. So yeah. so, yeah, I think it's extremely important and it's, it's part and parcel of what is so good about uh, the lifestyle that it revolves around paleo. You know, it isn't just looking at the diet, but it is yeah, looking definitely. At, at nature, at our place in the world, at how we move, how we, how we sleep, our sleep quality, how we, how we, you know, our social interactions with others. These are all really important. And I'm, and I'm grateful mm. that uh, I've been able to look at my, my life in this way. And Paleo Fitness kind of explores that to some degree. And my follow-on book explores the lifestyle in, in much more detail. Yeah, definitely. We get get into nature every day. I'm in Brazil right now, so it's really easy for me because I'm on an island on the south of Brazil. So it's kind of seven minutes walking distance to the beach. So yeah, every day it's easy. However, when I'm in New York City, it's a little harder, but still I make sure I get out and there there are parks everywhere. So we can just go there and like you said, just stare at the trees and just feel more connected to the earth. Yes. It's uh, super important. So in how do you see the role of the fitness centers, the gyms nowadays we have everywhere? And it's all about fitness and gyms. And how do you see that? Is it important? And do they have their place? And yeah, just what's your take? Yeah, I mean, I'm not, uh, I do prefer to work out outdoors, but I'm not anti-gym. You know, I mean, sometimes mm. I work out indoors. You know, I, I, mm. if I have to move, I have to move. So I'm not anti-gym and I think they do have a place. And there are lots of people who sign up to gyms. But at the same time, I read some interesting stats recent, recently. Um, the Consumer Association for, for Sports Clubs around the world, they did a survey of, of their members and they found that, you know, people who sign up for gyms in the new year, uh, like a New Year's resolutions, yes. by the second week of February, 80% of those uh, are not are not tending as frequently as they did at the start of the year. Eighty percent, eighty percent, yeah. And by and then by the end of end of February, early March, uh, only fifty percent of those are still attending. So there's literally mm-hmm. half of the members who signed up in in January, really enthusiastic, stop attending by by uh, by the end of February. So. You know, I'm not sure what the solution is really, but there is something about these environments which mean only if you're really dedicated and and uh, can't afford <laughs> mm. to pay for yeah, something yeah. that you can't use, um, will you will you continue to use it? Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I, I was one of those individuals who signed up in the new year, 
pretty much every single year. I was really committed for a few weeks. And then literally come, a, this, come February, I was probably going once a week. Um, mm. So I couldn't keep up that habit. And then I'd go again in the summer when I had to, wanted to look good in a t- you know, with my T-shirt off. I'd probably go again, you know, yeah. at other times in a year to make myself feel better. But to maintain that kind of fitness habit, I think it's difficult for a lot of people. You know, it's it's not at the top of our priorities. So yeah, yeah. I think that's why it's also we we talk a little bit about this before. It's important to find something that you really really enjoy first, right? Not just going to the gym because everybody's going to the gym and because there are a hundred thousand. Advertisements on the internet and everywhere that you see, like you gotta go to the gym, you gotta go to the gym. But yeah, first, first of all, just find something that you like, and then you start doing that, and from there you grow. Yes, I think that's that's my take on this. Very this subject. Yeah, 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 has to be has to be something you enjoy. Yeah, cool. So you work with people one on one, right? And you help people to just become healthier. And What's the biggest struggles that people are having when they come to you? Like, what's the, the biggest challenge that they have? Mm. I mean, I suppose if people are, are coming to me, it's usually because uh, they're not seeing progress with, uh, with their, whatever change they've put in place. So mm. they may have tried changing their diets. They may have tried a workout regimen, and they're not seeing the results that they wanted to. And they feel like it may need some sort of tweaking or they may need a, a complete overhaul. So can't say I have a typical, a typical client. Um, they all come to me for different reasons, whether it's because they want to lose weight or gain weight, <laughs> you mm. know, um, mm. whether it's because they have health problems that they want to, to reverse or to manage, um, or whether it's because they just want a, a bit of light and capability. So I think mm-hmm. sometimes it's just the fact that they have someone who's able to say, no, <laughs> you can't do that. Yes, this is okay. You know, this is a realistic a goal for you. Um, you know, this is something that you shouldn't focus on. This is something that you should. So it's just a case of like giving somebody guidance so that when they're no longer with me, um, they can still continue on that path. So mm-hmm. uh, that's what I feel is the best value that I can add as a, as a coach is that, you know, they don't want to be relying on me forever. You know, they just want to yeah. gain whatever knowledge they need from me for that period of time that they can take on board in a very practical and easy way. Um, and that's what I feel is what we need to do as coaches is to, is to make this really, really simple and easy to digest um, so that they can, they can do this themselves. And they can educate others as well because at the end of the day, if, if I have a client who's... Uh, at the heart of a family and they're doing, making all these changes, but their family isn't supportive or their family don't understand why this person is doing this, that can derail their progress. Just that, you know, if your partner's not supportive or your children don't understand or your friends are like, you know, what's, what's happening to my friend who's, who stopped eating such and such, or he's now wanting to exercise rather than playing computer games. What's, (laughs) you know what I mean? If, mm-hmm. if people around you, your peers, don't understand why you're mm-hmm. making this change, um, that can also derail you. So I think if they're educated, they can inform those around them who hopefully will then be supportive of their lifestyle change and it will become less of a struggle for them going forward. Yeah, getting educated, it's the first thing, super important. Yeah. That's why 
I'm doing this just to educate people and give different perspectives and really make them see that they can change and they can get their health and the body that they dream. Uh, there is one question that I haven't asked anybody here, but I think you are a really good person to try to answer this one because you travel a lot, like I told you before. If you have to make like a global plan to end the obesity epidemic, how would you develop this plan? <laughs> um, it's wow. A, it's a difficult one. That's, yeah, so a global plan. So am I like president of the whole world? You are, yes, you are like, <laughs> you are like stronger than Obama, man. Okay, so if I was the president of the whole world, um, wow. I suppose it would mean that big food and big pharma and all the big industries that are focused purely on making money would have to start putting as their number one mission and vision before profit is to ensure that they think of the consumer first, their, we their welfare, their well-being, and the well-being of the, of the planet. And if they did that, then they wouldn't be producing and manufacturing foods that would be harmful for the majority of their consumers. You know, big pharma would be producing um, medicines, but they would also be looking at lifestyle Uh, interventions that are likely to be more positive than um, the side effects that come from medicines. You know, mm -hmm. um, do, you see, do you see what I'm saying? So I, I think yeah, definitely. It, have to start, it would have to start from the, the biggest impact would be influencing the largest organizations that impact on everyone's day-to-day on -day lives. And that's not going to come from, unfortunately, it's not going to come from medicine. It's not going to come from you know, nutritionists or, 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 or PTs and so on, or, or kind of complementary therapies. It's going to come from the, the time you go to the supermarket and yeah. the, the access to the foods you see on the shelves. It's going to come from when you go to your doctor and your doctor says, you're sick, here's, here's a prescription. You know, until that changes and your doctor goes, hey, you know what, I've got a great prescription for you. You know, walk a bit more, <laughs> you know, change your diet and come and see me in six months' time when you can tell me that everything is better. <laughs> you know, that's, mm -hmm. what you, that's the sort of thing that you need. You need to go into yeah. the supermarket and see fresh product, pr fresh produce, uh, which, isn't, um, which is subsidized rather than the grains and the stuff in a cardboard box made in a, made in a, in a chemistry lab. You know, so, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I, I would be pretty radical uh, president if I was president of the world. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, yeah so Thank which you. means that the change is not actually not going to come from you being the president because, like you just said, that's gonna, not going to help anything. It's going to come from us, from the listeners taking really action not right now and voting with their dollars, kind of thing, right? Yes, yes, uh, exactly. Yeah, voting with our dollars and, and, and demanding um, that you know they should really respect the, their consumer, not, not just the shareholders. You know, it's, it's, a, it's yeah. a pretty ideal, idealistic view. <laughs> But, um, you know, th there is evidence that we can make, we can influence to a degree. I mean, look at things like the sugar tax. Uh, the sugar tax is being debated uh, by governments around the world because there is a concern about, you know, um, sugar or the excess sugar in the diet. And consumers are starting to say, hey, question the big food organization saying, hey, do we really need to have all this sugar added to our foods? And, and governments are starting to pay attention. Here in the UK, there's lots of debates about this right now. 
Um, so I think we, we do have some power, but there's still a long way to go before I'll be happy about mm-hmm. you know, the interests yeah. of, of the consumer being elevated beyond that uh, where it is now. Yeah, we got to start now, though. Cool. Yes, yeah, for sure. Man, I saw... I saw that you had a participation into this documentary called We Love Palo. That's cool. I haven't watched the movie yet, unfortunately, but I'm going to check it out later on. Can you share a little bit about this, uh, what was the movie, movie about and your participation? Yeah, so the We Love Palo was an international documentary looking at, at people um, who had been influenced by and impacted by paleo. So, you know, there were doctors, nutritionists, uh, business owners, um, you know, authors who'd all be impacted by paleo and talking about their stories and their journey, but also about the evidence in relation to, to paleo. So a lot of the questions that people ask about, you know, is, is, meat, is meat good for us or not? Um, what diet should we be eating? You know, all these type of questions that, where there's a lot of ambiguity. Uh, we love paleo provides some of the answers to that, to those questions. So if somebody's sitting on the fence or somebody just wants to know a little bit more about paleo, that's a great documentary. And, um, you know, it's really kind of the, one of the first of its kind exploring the benefits of paleo and why we are in the, the mess that we're in. Yeah. Congratulations for that, man. And Thank you. Any, yeah. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with us that I haven't asked you today? Yeah, so um, just one thing to note, uh, to add is that uh, I do have a second book out now, uh, which is called mm, cool. Paleo from A to Z. Yeah, so, and you have uh, it in Spanish, right? But you don't have it in Portuguese. I, I don't have it in Portuguese, <laughs> but, but I do. I was in a wait for the podcast to announce this, but um, there's actually uh, a Portuguese version being written now, and oh. uh, pr- predominantly for, for the Brazilian audience, actually. So I'm not sure if it's going to be a Brazilian Portuguese <laughs> um, or, or, Portuguese, or, just, or just straight Portuguese, Portuguese. But, but it is actually being, um, you know, there is discussions now to have that translated into Portuguese. So it is on its, mm-hmm. it is on its way. Um, cool. Yes. And a few other language versions as well. So, so yeah, that, that one, that book covers pretty much the entire lifestyle and a lot more details as to non-food um, aspects of paleo as well as the food aspects of paleo. Mm-hmm. And um, and also, I'm in the process of designing PrimalPlay.com. So um, that's going to be launched in the next month or so, and that's going to be really the home for Primal Play going forward, uh, with details on you know things like certification and, and programs that people can follow in in their own time. So I'm really ramped up and excited about getting that launched. So what's the best place to find you, and what's next for you? Is this the Primal? play.com is going to be the, the best place to find you yeah so if you want to find out more about primal play um then there are signups on the primalplay.com website uh, right about now um if you if you want to follow um my previous website or my my personal website that's the fitnessexplorer.com and that really has all the information about my lifestyle the diet that i follow um and everything else that i do on a kind of a day-to-day basis and of course, feel free to contact me on social media uh, using the tag at Fitness Explorer on Instagram and uh, Twitter. Based search of Fitness Explorer on Facebook and the like, mm-hmm. and on YouTube as well. So yeah, so um, I'm hopefully awesome. quite easy to find, and uh, and I love to keep in contact with people who are interested in what I do. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much, Daryl, for being here with us today. I super appreciate the time, and I hope to see you soon, brother. 
Thank you. Thanks very much, Bruno. And then enjoy the amazing weather in Brazil right now. <laughs> I'm very, I'm very <laughs> envious. <laughs> Thank you, man. I will for sure. Bye bye. Take care, Bruno. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Brazilian Health Nut Show. Go to www.brazilianhealthnut.com for much more information about how to burn fat for the rest of your life. Hasta luego.